Welcome to Cancel This Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Sautel. My career as a firefighter, along with my faith in Jesus, has given me a unique view on things I'm passionate about, such as current events, eternal truths, and transformational stories. On today's show, I'm going to have a conversation with my friend, Jerry Schwartz. Jerry was a fireman with the Baltimore City Fire Department for 19 years. Just shy of his 20th year of service, where he would have earned a pension, he walked away from his career to become the senior pastor of Living Faith Church in Pennsylvania. Jerry's story is going to bless you on so many levels. So sit back, relax, turn the volume down just a bit, and enjoy the ride you're getting ready to take on Cancel This Podcast. Jerry, welcome to the show. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Hey, it's my pleasure to be here and uh, good to talk to you face to face. Enjoyed your book tremendously. And uh, so my pleasure. Right Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. So le- I, I kind of gave a little intro about you, about your years in the fire department, where you're at now pastoring a church. And I want to now take it back from the beginning. Tell me about the day you were born. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, let's talk about your, your career in the fire service. What year did you start with Baltimore City Fire? Uh, 1970, October 1970, actually. Wow. Fresh out of high school, 18 years old. Uh, actually, uh, it was the first year that the Baltimore City Fire Department allowed anybody under 21 uh, so, uh, we were, we were kind of frowned upon because we were kids, you know? But. Yeah. I mean, you know, in the fire department, we like to say new kids as a way of describing probationary firefighters, but you were a new kid and you know, what's kind of cool is my career started many years after in 1993, but I also started when I was 18 years old. So let, let's talk about being 18 years old in the fire service in the seventies, working with some of those old timers, man. What was that like? Well, I tell you, it was a little scary for me to start with. Um, you know, the one thing that kind of gave me some comfort was my my dad was a captain at the time in Baltimore City, and uh, he was at a truck company not too far from where I was assigned. But uh, yeah, I mean, as I said, they looked down on you because they they thought eighteen year olds didn't belong, you know, in the fire service. So right. uh, you were watched a little closer, you might say. But you know, the fascinating thing was that out of that class I was in. The majority of them became officers, uh, many of them chiefs, uh, one of them the assistant fire chief. Uh, so right. uh, it was uh, it was challenging. But, uh, you know, after a little while, you know, they accepted the fact that, uh, hey, these guys can do the job. Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, when, when you think about it, let's talk about it as senior members of the fire department. Obviously, you hand us an 18 year old fresh out of the academy. We are keeping our eyes on him. But if you really think about it, too. What a fresh, clean slate to start working from, too, right? I mean, some people would come in in, you know, in the Oakland Fire Department. We had a guy in our academy that came in at like 38 or 39 years old, and I thought it was awesome. <clears throat> but he had so much of other stuff in him already of how things should go and how it should run. And it yeah. was kind of tough on the rest of us because we were like, follow orders. Just do what you're told. And he was a grown man with his own style of thinking that had a better way to do stuff, you know? So I think right. it's great having someone young as a clean, you know, as a fresh slate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, uh, I, actually, I, you know, the backup, I mean, I, I didn't have a desire to go in the fire department. Um, really? my dad was, but I, I really didn't, uh, I just needed a job. Right. And, uh, so my father-in-law I actually got married at 18 too. Uh, but my father-in-law, he was a union electrician 
My dad, of course, was a captain in the city fire department. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the application came out. I applied there. I applied for an electrician's apprenticeship. And uh, they never called me. The fire department did. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, once I got into the department, I mean, I just fell in love. I mean, it was... Uh, right. I it, done, it, it grabs hold of you. It's whether you're... East Coast, West Coast, small city, big city. Let's be honest. It just draws you in because it's not just a job. It's a true lifestyle, 24-7. You know, you're growing with the guys. You're learning with them. Your lives depend on one each one another's um, strength and courage and knowledge and stuff. So right. it, it does just grow on you. Or let's be honest, it also washes quite a few people out because of the same reasons. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, so Baltimore during those years, I mean... In my generation of the fire department, we always look at the guys in, you know, the 60s, 70s, early 80s during the what we called the war years because you guys still had the old, huge manufacturing type buildings, apartment buildings, non-sprinklered, fully made of wood, combustible, heavy timber. And those places would burn, man. What oh, was it like in the 70s as a new guy in the Baltimore Fire Department? Well, I tell you, you know, uh, first of all, the equipment, there's nothing like it is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we started out, you know, sometimes with rubber coats and uh, and then we had uh, canvas coats that soaked mm-hmm. up all the water. Yeah. Um, you know, no, uh, uh, no real uh, hoods, anything mm-hmm. like that. Right. So it was a little different. Plastic helmets. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, during that time period, uh, if you're familiar at all with uh, Baltimore City's Inner Harbor, you know, it's uh, quite mm-hmm. a nice uh, area. Uh, but uh, before they developed that Inner Harbor, there were huge loft buildings uh, as you're saying, you know, large timber buildings where the ships would come in and deliver goods and so right. forth. And uh, so, you know, in order to build the inner harbor, uh, they had to get rid of these buildings. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that somebody was probably uh, well taken care of to uh, right. light some fire. So, yeah, I mean, you never want to uh, make those claims knowing for a fact. But let's be honest, I have seen it, too. We have looked at certain areas like wow, isn't that weird that we had a six alarm fire there three weeks ago, but now they're starting construction in that same area, you know, so I get it because there's a lot of parallels between West Oakland where I worked and where you worked in Baltimore because we were right there by the port. Then we had all the old buildings that supported the port during all those years, plus the houses then that were kind of layered back from those two. So same thing like you, old Victorian area houses, you know, wood frame buildings, triple deckers, stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. And, and we had, uh, as you said, you know, we'd have a three alarm one night, five alarm another night. Uh, right. It was just constant uh, in, in these large buildings. And uh, but, you know, we certainly got a lot of experience and uh, a lot of a lot of nights out. And uh, this this is back when, uh, you know, we worked a 14 hour night. And mm-hmm. um, so uh, if you were out all night, uh, the old days, you waited till your relief came in the morning. You know, these days they relieve you, you know, a lot sooner, which. Right is nice, I guess, but uh, yeah. Yeah, we, <laughs> a spoiled new guys, way. you know, we, we have it a lot easier, but okay. Let's, let's talk about this now where a lot of the, the listeners are going to be interested. So you were raised in the Catholic church and you joined the fire department at 18 years old. Where, where were you in your journey of faith of coming to Christ in your younger years in the fire department? Well, I mean, I was, uh, I was a good Catholic, you know, uh, I went to church and, um, you know, everything was right as far as I was concerned. Uh, I knew about God and, you know, I felt like I had some kind of uh, uh, fear of God. 
but uh, it, it wasn't until a little later on, uh, like I said, it was around 1977, I guess. Uh, I had just become a lieutenant at that point. And um, I was loving life. We had two little girls at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we bought a little house with a white picket fence. I mean, uh, you know, life was good. Yeah. And, um, but my wife, you know, I don't know if you know how wives are sometimes, but you know, they're, they're inquisitive. Um, so, you know, she had this, this draw or, or desire or drive in her to find out why she was on earth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm enjoying life. Everything's fine. You know what? what yeah. Paychecks coming in. We got food yeah. on the table. Great yeah. job. Great career. This is why we're here. Right. Right. You know, and again, I just made lieutenants. So things were great. But, uh, you know, again, she was just, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? And um, so uh, at the same time, she was suffering a really uh, serious back pain, Mm. pinched nerve or something. Not sure what it was, but you imagine with two kids, you know, it it really got too well. I'm going to stop you right there, Jerry. You know what? I I got married a few years into the fire department and after we had our first baby and then the second one came around and then we adopted, I would go to the firehouse for a break. Seriously, (laughs) there was nothing we could do in my 24 hour shift that compared to the beating my wife was taking at home. And when I say beating, I'm let's be physically and mentally because taking care of young ones, it is rough on the body. So I fully understand where your wife was, you know, I mean, homemakers, I'm telling you what. I get so bothered sometimes not to go on a tangent here that in America, we look down upon that sometimes when we realize how needed it is and how much work it is, but we're going to save that subject for a future episode. (laughs) So anyways, you left me with the kids uh, one time and uh, I I didn't want to do it again. Uh, Mm -hmm. She was gone all day one time, but anyway, so, so her pinched nerve and her back were giving her accolades and and as, as blue collared men, we get where she's coming from. Yeah. And uh, so, like I said, life was good as far as I, I could see it. But, you know, again, she was just looking, where's, you know, where's God? And, and she actually went to a Catholic priest and um, she asked him that question, where, where is God? You know, and he pointed to the table in front of him and, you know, he said, he's everywhere. He's in this table, it's, you know, whatever. And, and then she said, what about the Bible? You know, can you believe the Bible? And he said, well, you know, you can't believe everything, uh, you know, you really got to have somebody interpret it for you, so forth. And and then she went to church that Sunday uh, and, you know, he was reading from the Bible and she thought, this 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 is strange. This is weird. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, uh, uh, a cult that uh, a friend of hers was in and they invited her over and and something didn't seem right there. So, well, so anyway, she's there one night. I'm on night shift. Right. Uh, she's at the house, two kids. She puts them to bed and uh, we had a picture of Jesus, you know, on the wall. Mm-hmm. And she looked at that picture and she just felt like he's the answer. Right. Mm. And so a little bit later, she turns the TV on and there's a fellow preaching and, um, and then he asked if you if you need prayer for healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the early televangelists type yeah, thing was on yeah. TV. Okay, cool. All right. And so so uh, you know he was praying the salvation prayer, asked Jesus into your heart, and when she prayed that prayer, they never prayed for healing, but when she prayed the prayer, this heat went down her back, and she was instantly healed. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm on night shift, right. uh, so you know, that happened to her and, and she knew that Jesus was now part of her life and, and so forth. 
And and quite honestly, and I can't go into you know her story, but she right, had, no, 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 I definitely, definitely she had a pretty rough childhood, and, you know, a lot of stuff. But but um, she had like, and I want to cut you off here, but so many of the stories I hear, she had the encounter with the living Jesus through faith exactly. alone in Christ alone, exactly. right? And and a change took place. And with her, she felt it physically. For me, I felt it emotionally. So so I don't want to downplay it by any means that right. it is 100% real and also coming from a rough past. I, I think there's a lot of parallels between her and I there too, you know, yeah. so I fully understand what happened. So she comes to Christ. You're at the yeah. firehouse. And that was, that was a dramatic change. Let me tell you, uh, when I was, I came home and, um, you know, she was standing at the front door, I, I think, you know, the kids went off on the bus and, and, um, she looked like a prism. It's like the sunlight was coming in and all these colors were coming out of her. Right. I mean, it was scary. I'm yeah. just telling you, it was scary to me. No, I hear you. And she starts telling me about, you know, Jesus and, and you know, my life has changed and I'm, I'm healed and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And wow. and I'm like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> You're I, like, honestly, she's lost her mind while I was exactly, at work. What happened? <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. She's right. lost it. Right. Uh, and um, honestly, I was scared. I was mm-hmm. really scared that she had gone off the deep end. But I knew that something had dramatically changed for the mm-hmm. better. And, um, and, you know, and she would be another. We had this little house. It, it was about less than 1,200 square feet. I mean, mm-hmm. that was it. Uh, so she'd be in the bedroom and I'd hear her praying in there. You know, mm-hmm. she's talking to somebody and you know, there's nobody else here, you know? I mean, it really got scary for me. Right. Uh, so anyway, make a long story short, if you want to go to where I, I come in. Yeah, no, no, that's yeah. perfect. But no, I love this because some of the stuff you're saying right now is I know going to bless a lot of listeners, okay? Because I want to be honest with you, a lot of new Christians, when they first come to Christ or people who have not come to Christ, it may sound blasphemous, but it's not. Let's think of this as a baby Christian. I was very uncomfortable to pray at first. I really was. I was very uncomfortable to pray in public. I was scared of what people would think about me, you know, and stuff. So, so I think it's so rich that you have a praying wife in one room. Here's a husband in the other room that's not too sure about it. And my guess is a lot of that prayer is going to start affecting you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, she just started, uh, you know, she'd give me these, like these little prayers to pray, you know, and I went on night shift, you know, mm-hmm. and, put them in my, you know, uh, lunch bag and so mm-hmm. forth. And so that went on for a while. And, you know, I was like, I, you know, what, what do I need? I mean, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I, I believe in God. I mean, what, what is it I need here? Um, I, I couldn't get it, you know, but she just kept on, you know, it, it was like, um, uh, she would, she would make these big meals for me and, and, mm-hmm. you know, just, just, loving me in every way possible. And, uh, you know, sometimes we'd be sitting there and, and back when we got newspapers, you know, I was actually reading the newspaper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm reading the newspaper. She's over there on the chair reading her Bible. And I would look across the newspaper and say, you always have to be reading that thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got a little bit nasty, I must say. No, you're, you're, just, it, it, and it's normal. And again, not cutting you off, but I just love the parallels here. And I love the conversation. And... I fully get where you're coming at because the day that we got married, Christy in her vows said she loved Jesus more than me <laughs> and all this. And even though I'm saved at this time, you know, I'm, I'm still in your Christian. Yeah. It bugged my flesh. I looked out and I was like, all my fire department buddies are here. 
and you're telling them you love Jesus more than me and it bugged me. But then there's a flip inside of me and you're like, yo, idiot, you want a wife right. who loves Jesus more than you. So just going with you on that, that I get where you're coming from when she's in that Bible and you're in the newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. And then she'd be watching Christian TV, you know, same right. thing. I'm like, you got to be watching that. You know what I mean? Right. But uh, anyway, I irritated. They had TV in the seventies. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> had to get up and change the channel though. <laughs> yeah. On the dial. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, but, uh, so I'm sorry to cut you off, man. I just, I just, I just have to play with you in a couple areas there. That's sure. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, it took several months. I think it was like seven or eight months where she was just ministering to me, you know, just loving me. And, uh, and again, I felt like, you know, I lived a pretty good life. I'm not a bad guy. I don't drink, I'm, you know, all that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which is where a lot of people are, you know, right. uh, it, it's, it's kind of easy, you know, when somebody is really down and out and I mean, they're just in bad shape, you know, and they come mm-hmm. to Jesus, you know, so like they call it jailhouse conversions and so right. forth. But for me, it was like, I'm a good guy. You you're know? out doing good things. You're putting yeah. out fires. You're putting other people's lives above yours. You're doing everything that God would want you to do, right? That That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Why do I need Jesus? Right. Exactly. <laughs> but. <laughs> but, yeah. So, anyway, this went on. And uh, I was I was loving life and joined. I was in a, a, a busy company. You know, we had a lot mm-hmm. of fires. And it was great. And um, But then one night. I went up to my office, you know, I, I got my turnout boots ready for the next call. I laid down in bed and um, it was as if the, uh, the roof of the firehouse opened up. Hmm. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, you know, I'm working a dangerous job. I got two kids. I have no idea, you know, how to really raise them. And if what my wife is saying is true, about this encounter with God and this knowing God, knowing Jesus, I would be a fool not to surrender my life to him. Right. And at that moment, that's what I did. I just simply said, wow. I surrender. You that know? is so. I give, I give my life to you. And um, life changed. Um, you know, for some, it might be really dramatic. My wife's was. But here was the thing that I saw and felt differently <laughs> the next night at the firehouse, of course, before we went to bed, usually uh, Johnny Carson was on. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that most people don't even know who that is anymore. Oh, I but love Johnny had- Carson. I grew up watching him <laughs> and Ed McMahon. And, oh, I love that show. Yeah, but, you know, it was, it was always right. funny. Right. And, um, but, you know, I'm watching it, and it was like the jokes weren't as funny anymore. Right. You know, something is different here. And, uh, of course, I know now, you know, what's mm-hmm. different. But uh, that was the first indication that something had changed. Right. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, uh, that, that was it. I mean. And that's so rich because this is, again, why, you know, when, when people come to the Cancel This podcast, they think it's going to be all politics or it's going to be all, all, this, or all, all that. What I love about this is we can talk about our conversion experiences. And when I get to listen to so many of them, they're the same, but different. You know, I mean, I mean, we all put our faith in Christ and a change happens. And for me, where the big change was initially was I suddenly had clarification. I started realizing why things were so bad. Why when I failed 
it wasn't all me, you know, and stuff where it used to be the burden was on me. If we didn't pull someone out of a fire, we didn't save someone and stuff. And then the day that I came to Christ, it was like, people say, do your life get better? I'm like, Oh, it was still pretty horrible at the time. <laughs> but, but the clarification I had is part of the whole saving my life. You know, obviously Christ saved me eternally, but yeah. be able to have a place where I can now go and say, wow, it's not my fault. It's not my plan. It's not my path. I just got to do what I've been called to do. And he's going to handle the rest. It, it was just like the burden was lifted off me. And then the growth started. Yeah. 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 So yeah. in the fire service, you come to Christ. What being on scene, like, you know, Baltimore again has a lot of parallels to Oakland where you see a lot of tragedies, a lot more tragedies than some, maybe the smaller cities. And a lot of those can burden you and they can weigh you down. How did you start using your faith as you continued on in your career in the fire service? Well, you know, things, um, how can I say it? Uh, they bother me in a different way. Mm -hmm. uh, because now I had a compassion for people that, you know, I, I think I had some before, but, uh, but this is different now, yeah. uh, because now I was seeing humanity. I was seeing, uh, the hurt, the pain, the, uh, you, you know, I mean, I never forget riding through the streets of Baltimore, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning and just thinking about all the hurt and right. you know, evil that was going on in that city. Right. Um, so we, we saw a lot of that, but, uh, but that was different. And, and not, not too long after that, um, we actually, uh, with my church at the time, you know, we actually took a bus down to the areas where, uh, you know, my firehouse was, mm -hmm. and, uh, we'd take a bus full of clothes and all kinds of stuff, Bibles, and, and we minister to people, uh, give them Bibles, pray salvation, prayer with them, all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, my my heart was now reaching out to um, the people that previously didn't mean that much to me, you know. Right? Isn't it um, weird? And that's that's the way I try to explain it of pre-conversion, Jason. Because a lot of people have read my book and they know for the first twenty eight years of my life, I don't even say I was an atheist. I was just an angry person, you know, who I was angry at anything good, you know. So obviously, um, God or Jesus, I was probably the angriest at them because I was rebelling against them so hardcore. Yeah. But during that time. I still had a heart for people when they were hurting, but what was different after I became a Christian was I realized true love, truth comes from God, gets poured into us, then comes out of us. And now we're doing it because we're giving him all recognition, all glory. Thank you, God, for giving me a job as a fireman so I can bless these people and I can, I can honor you while doing it. Whereas before I was a Christian, it was the art of self-worship. I was doing it because I was a fireman. I, 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 I'm helping people. I'm rescuing people. My, my, my buddies are helping me, but there was no God involved. So there wasn't the satisfaction either. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and prayer becomes a big part of right. life. You know, when you go out on these calls and, uh, you know, I remember praying for people in the back of an ambulance, uh, you know, so many different opportunities and, so forth. Uh, and, you know, for uh, the, the guys that I work with as well, you know, we had lots of long conversations, you know, about God and, you know, mm -hmm. things like that, you know, just uh, uh, there was a, a desire to really be a, a greater witness. Uh, and, and of course, it meant, you know, I had to have my mind renewed. Right. Um, so, you know, getting into a Bible study, a good church that teaches mm -hmm. the Bible was uh, important 
uh, right. part of our life as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And what one of the things that I pull from the fire service, and you and I have had conversations in the past, and just if the listeners wondering, yes, him and I've been friends for a little while now and stuff, and we have a lot of great conversations outside of podcasting. But one of the things that I look at too is when you watch people take their final breaths as their eternities are being locked in, who did not expect to die that day. Now, I'm not taking away someone who's gone through long-term cancer, long-term illness, but they've had time to prepare, right? They really have had time. They've had visits. They've had time to make choices. But when you watch someone who walks out of their house or went to sleep expecting to wake up the next morning, but they get trapped in a fire and they don't survive, it just kind of changes your perspective and almost gives a sense of urgency to the gospel. Would you kind of feel that that's the same in your career too? It kind of give you a sense of urgency to preach? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, two years after I became a Lieutenant, I became a captain. Uh, it was just, uh, I, I wasn't expecting it, wasn't planning on it. You know, I just took the tests and I'd studied so much for a Lieutenant that I, I came up number three on the list. So anyway, wow. I, within two weeks I was transferred out. Um, but to make a long story short, uh, I ended up in, a, again, another busy downtown fire company. Uh, then they moved, it was a single company. Then they moved us to uh, the uh, Stedman Superhouse, which is uh, yep. it's a famous firehouse. One, yeah, and has been one of the busiest uh, in the nation. Right. Uh, now, how many so, companies did you run out there? When I say companies, because people may not understand, engines, trucks, and uh, rescues, how, how many companies did you run out of there? Uh, about eight. Wow. Now there was, there was 11 bays, if you can imagine. Right. Uh, so they had uh, reserve apparatus and so forth in there, but uh, you know, everything rescue, uh, medic units, a uh, tower, um, you know, you name it, right. card, you know, all that kind of stuff uh, was in there. So now, you know, we're dealing with on shift, you know, 25 to 30 guys right. on a regular basis. So uh, it gave me a larger platform, you might say. Right. Uh, and, to, and- uh, and let's go go with that for a second. So you're in a firehouse with 25 people. That's a lot of personalities, right? Oh, and yeah. That's a lot of religions, if you will, coming into play too, other than Christianity, right? How, how would hey. you deal with those folks if uh, you didn't see eye to eye on things? <laughs> well, I was a captain. Well, remember, you're a Christian at this time, so we can't give them all yeah. the firehouse way of handling stuff. All right, Jerry? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it was actually in a rule book that uh, one of the three things you can't talk about is religion. Right. Uh, but I never talked about religion. I just talked about Jesus. Right. <laughs> uh, but um, I'll I never forget one time uh, they uh, they had a VCR back then, you know. Yep. <laughs> and sometimes they watch some movies that weren't, you know, all that um, right. uh, sanctified. Let's put it that way. Right. Uh, and uh, one day the uh, uh, lightning hit the wiring and fried the VCR. Really? And, uh, yeah, and they blame me for it. I don't know why, but... <laughs> <laughs> that is a good story, right there. But, that's, uh, that's... <laughs> you know, the thing was, uh, you know, like we have a watch desk there, and everybody would kind of gather there on Sundays, and mm-hmm. so uh, I was on watch, so I would turn the TV on and I would turn preachers on, mm-hmm. and uh, so all the guys that were standing reading the paper, or whatever, you know, they they had to, you know listen to what was on or walk out. So, you know, they listen. And many times I would, I would look over, I, I'd see, you know, somebody listening to that message, but trying to ignore it, you know, read the paper and mm-hmm. hear me coming down their face. 
Um, So, you know, there was many, many opportunities. I started a Bible study that we had there. Oh, that's Uh, so good. We we did a uh, firefighter's breakfast and, Mm -hmm. you know, had my pastor at the time came and, you know, shared with them. Actually, they uh, they nicknamed me Oral Schwartz uh, at the firehouse. So <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So let's talk about now. You're you're more of a senior firefighter captain now, and you've been in the fire department many years. Right around the 19 year mark, you left the fire department, correct? Yeah. Why did you leave early in your career? And it wasn't for an injury. Like with me, unfortunately, I broke my back, my hips, and, you know, I couldn't continue on and it crushed me. But praise God it happened because where I'm at now. But you actually stepped away from the fire service for another reason. Can you uh, tell the folks about that? Yeah, sure. Um, You know, as I said before, you know, I fell in love with uh, fighting fires. Uh, Loved it my whole career. Uh, But then when Jesus came into my life, and um, I, I wanted to serve God more than anything else. Uh, I was a, a deacon and an elder in our church in Baltimore, uh, and just serving in any way. I, I led, you know, small groups and all those kinds of things. Uh, did a little bit of teaching here and there, but uh, there was a call that came, you know, to uh, a place in Pennsylvania where I'm at now, Chester County, and uh, it was just a few people that you know, were looking for a, a church plan, and mm-hmm. uh, so. Anyway, I was asked to, to come, and uh, my wife and I, of course, we prayed and felt like, you know, this is this is what God wants for us. And so even though I was uh, nine months shy of my pension, um, mm-hmm. we felt it was time for us to walk away. And uh, wow. so we did and uh, moved our family uh, up to Pennsylvania and um, started um, uh, holding church services. Uh, I had never preached before. Wow. <laughs> Before I ever came here. Um, so uh, it was all a learning experience. Um, so well, now I'm going to back it up just a little because, I mean, you're being so humble about it. And I so appreciate that about you. What What did you feel in your heart? I mean, when you say you feel a draw to come up here, I mean, what, what were you feeling inside? I mean, because just to step away from the fire department, you're stepping away from a lifestyle. What what, yeah. what, what were you feeling when when that happened? Was there... Well, I'll let you explain. What, what exactly were well, you feeling? You know, you, when you have a, a love for God, then you have a love for people. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, the church becomes so important right? because it has to do with God and it has to do with people. Right. Uh, but it was also people in general. Uh, one night I was acting battalion chief. And uh, again, this is downtown Baltimore. Um, had these huge windows at that far house and Right. You know, and there was a bar on the corner. I think it was a strip bar or something, something mm-hmm. like that. And I just remember looking out the window that night and thinking, God, you know, whatever you want for me, yeah. if, it, if it's going out on the streets, if it's helping prostitutes or, you know, drug addicts or right. whatever it is, I, I want to do that. You know, wow. I want to do whatever right. you want me to do. And, yeah. and it wasn't long after that that, uh, you know, this call came and, and we decided, you know, to uh, walk away from the fire service. Uh, you know, it was it was difficult on a lot of people, but particularly on my dad. He was a battalion commander at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had rose in the ranks so quickly that I guess he had a real dream that I would be chief of the fire department one day. Right. And so... Uh, becoming a born again Christian was something that was hard for him to deal with. 
Right. But then leaving the fire department was just another thing that was difficult. And, uh, wow. but even many, many Christians, uh, that we knew said, you know, that's crazy to do that. You know, you, you don't want to do that. But, but again, and again, it was just, I love God. I love the church right. and uh, I love people. And, uh, you know, I would just say, God, whatever you want. And so right. the call came and we, we walked away. Well, it, it would, you know, not, I don't want to sound too weird. Like if someone says, well, I have a calling, but I'm still doing this, you know, because sometimes like with me, God left me where he did as long as he did for the next step. I didn't know it was coming. You had the calling. You felt it ready to move. So let's keep it real. If you didn't follow what he was asking of you, it would be sinful. Right. And and that's a thing that sometimes people look at and go, no, hold on. He's fighting fire. He's doing this. But if you're saying no to God, no to God, because I want to stay in my comfort zone over here, which yeah. fighting fire obviously isn't comfortable at times, but it's what you know, it's, it's your comfort zone to slide into the unknown as a pastor, fireman, a pastor, come on now. Okay. Who does yeah, that? that that's a God thing. Let me tell you, it was uncomfortable too. Right. Uh, I'd have rather been in a blazing fire than uh, <laughs> uh, some of the stuff, you know, you deal with. Uh, as a, as a Bro, guy. I'm not even at your level, but Christy and I have this talk daily, just me dealing with certain things. I deal with evangelizing and doing it in the media sense of the way of doing it is some days I go, just give me a fifth alarm fire. It'd be so much easier right. than dealing exactly. with these folks. And, well, and just to be clear, I'm sure I'm one of those people. Someone else is saying, Hey, it's hard to deal with Jason too. <laughs> you know, so I'll give them that. But, but I hear you in ministry. It's, yeah. it's a rough, rough work. And, and in the fire department, why it flows so smooth is because everyone does their job. Just everyone does. It's they were taught early yeah. on. You get into ministry and now you're leading people in, in a different realm. And it's a lot of work, man. Well, it is. And, and again, I wasn't a seasoned pastor. Right. Uh, I right. was a firefighter, you know. Uh, I knew how to fight fires. I knew how to be, a, a you know, an officer. Right. And uh, so, you know, I had one member of the church early on say, uh, you know, we, we wanted a pastor, not a fire chief. You know, so, <laughs> you know it wasn't very encouraging. Uh, no, that's not a very nice thing. Basically, they said, we don't like, I love how people... You know, and I don't want to combine all Christians together, but Christians can be rough, man. And when they say something like that, they're basically saying, yeah, get out of here. We don't like you. <laughs> yeah, 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 wow. exactly. Yeah. But, uh, so so how do you feel your time in the fire service shaped you for ministry and maybe kind of give us an example or two about how you've actually fallen back on some of the stuff God lets you experience in the fire department to move forward in ministry? Oh, uh, well, I mean, when I left it behind, uh, it was like... Uh, uh, it was like Elijah uh, with uh, the uh, oxen, you know, right. he burned everything and, you know, Elisha, I guess, uh, burned everything and he's walking away from it all. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I felt, you know, I'm leaving it all behind. Mm -hmm. And um, so lo and behold, you know, we're up here in Pennsylvania in uh, this county and uh, we, uh, we needed a building to hold services in. And so, the local firehouse happened to have a banquet hall. So we went and rented the banquet hall. Mm -hmm. We started holding services at the firehouse banquet hall. Uh, some of the guys found out my background and, uh, you know, for, for them, it's a big deal, you know, captain, big fire department. Right. So, right. um, you know, they, uh, uh, well, the first thing they did was say, Hey, you know, ride the fire trucks with us. And right. <laughs> Um, which, you're like, I got more important things to do than that guys. You guys got that. You guys got that handled, <laughs> but I actually did for a while, right. but, uh, 
but anyway, the chief at the time, he said, you know what? Um, you got this background, all that stuff. And, but you know, Hey, we haven't had a chaplain here for a while. So would you mind being our chaplain? And I said, well, yeah, I, I guess I could do that. And, mm -hmm. uh, anyway, to make a long story short, uh, I became chaplain. Uh, it spread to, you know, critical incident teams mm -hmm. working with them and peer support. Um, and, uh, I've literally, you know, done hundreds and hundreds of debriefings and, right. uh, you know, prayed with many, many first responders, right. uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, and, and all of my background was kind of like, uh, an open door for mm -hmm. them to say, Hey, he's one of us. You right. Know? So it's, it's really helped in, uh, uh, just connecting with, uh, you know, first responders in general, it started out mostly with firefighters, but now it's mm -hmm. police it's SWAT teams, it's prison yeah. guards. It's, you it's know, so you good. And, and it's such a needed thing because even though chaplaincy, uh, incident support, stress, all that stuff, it has been around for a while now, but let's be honest, it's just now starting to be accepted. You know, it's now become part of it because when I was raised up in the fire department, we'd get back from, you know, doing CPR and so we pulled out of a fire and they didn't survive and it was a three alarm fire and the old guys were like, Oh, just suck it up kid and go back to bed. You're like, yeah. wow. But then you also hear, and I say this out of love and respect for the old timers because I do look up to them. I now understand why they were so angry all the time too and why they're so tough because they had to internalize it. They had nowhere to leave it. They had to be tough macho guys. Well, I'm now finding in the fire service, I get to walk into places like you. I get to say, yeah, I was blessed to work first off at CDF fire out here in California where we get all the wildland fires, then go to a big city like Oakland where we fight a lot of fire. So folks will welcome you in because you have been in that foxhole with them, if you will. Yeah. And now being a tough guy telling your stories, having other tough guys and gals tell their stories, it actually opens up for the healing. And more importantly, when we start bringing in healing, their ears start to open up to the gospel message. Is that something you see out there sometimes too, is when people, uh, you hang out with them, it's easier after they get a little healing to hear the gospel message. Yeah. After, after they get over that first, uh, oh my God, you know, you're, you're one of those guys. You know? Right. But, uh, <laughs> right. And that's what I love about walking into because people will be like, you know, same thing as you. A lot of folks will say, oh, Jason, I don't do religion. I'm like, oh, praise God. Neither do I. Thanks, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and stuff. even though, yes, there is a religion about it, but we're followers of Christ. We don't have all these works that we have to do yeah. to earn our way to, to God. Obviously, we still work as Christians to show our love for him. You know, those are two separate issues there. But when I love when people come at me because I talk to people all the time who are not Christians in the fire service. And I'll sit down with them and it's like you and I, when we would get on scene of a medical call, we would assess the patient. We didn't give a heart attack patient meds that we would give someone having a stroke or vice versa. Cause if we did, we could really create harm. Well, when right. we meet people, I like assessing them to see, I, I ultimately know they need Jesus, but I yeah. like to see where the worldly pain is coming from. That's keeping him away. Do you find that sometimes too? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and you just really, it gets down to being led by the spirit, you know, what, what the Holy Spirit is telling you, leading you, how he's guiding you. Uh, but you know, you, you can't hit him over the head immediately with, uh, you know, you need Jesus period. Right. Uh, one, one, um, 
testimony. Uh, we had a, a fire captain locally here that was diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer several yeah. years ago. And um, so I didn't know him very well, but I started uh, stopping by his house to visit with him. Um, he was getting worse and worse. And of course, we were praying that he would you know, be healed, but he just continued to get worse. And But he was one of those guys that, uh, well, his, his, his initials in front of his name was MF. I'll, I'll let you just speak. I understand. I understand where we're going with that. Uh, but he was a rough, tough, drinking, cussing right. guy. He'd do anything for you. But right. that's the type of guy he was. Yeah. And uh, as he continued to get worse, uh, you know, I'd talk to him about God. I'd pray for him every time I'd see him. And then at one point, you know, it's like all the facades, all of the walls came down right and i'm sitting with him and i just said to him jimmy are you ready now you know are you ready are you ready to just give your life to jesus because he's your only hope and tears came down his face and hmm. he said yeah i'm ready wow and um and so we prayed together wow he ended up uh you know passing away uh but at his funeral, um, his chief stood up and he said, I never thought, I never would have thought that I would ever see Jimmy reading the Bible to me. <laughs> wow. What and, a uh, testimony. And there were, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people there. Right. But, um, you know, but again, it's, um, you know, just letting God lead you to uh, right. touch them where they're at, you know, yeah. uh, talk to them on a level where, where they can connect right. with you. Uh, but I've seen, you know, numerous occasions where, where that'll happen right. when people will slowly open up. Yeah. And see, that's why I, I love your style and the way you do stuff, because I'm blessed to talk to so many different people and I'm not going to tell anyone that there's not a, obviously there's a wrong way to do it if we're not following scripture, not doing it in, in the way God wants us to, when we're, we're trying to give, um, the gospel to them, give our testimony and be the hands and feet. But sometimes I meet people and they'll be like, Jason, where are you going to go talk? And I'm like, Oh yeah, I get, I'm blessed to be speaking at a PTSD symposium, you know, for hurt people. Well, you're going to walk in there and you're preaching Christ crucified, right? I'm like, well, <laughs> through my actions, I am, but I, they didn't call me to preach Christ crucified. I mean, if Jerry invites me to his church to preach that, then let's go. But they, they, they've been like pushed in. Like, if you don't preach it and convict people, of their sins, how will yeah. they now convert? And like, slow down, slow yeah. down. Yeah. We want to just pour the love of Christ onto people, knowing that he's going to do the work in the long run. But like you show also be a faithful servant to still be there to do what we've been called to do of keep giving the testimony, keep preaching in a loving way, not preaching down because that's what saved my life. I like when you talk about your wife and you saw that quote or around her, you know, the glow. When I first saw Christy in that restaurant, when I met her, there was a true glow. And I've never really explained it because I've been uncomfortable because being in the, the public light, I don't always want to give the miracle side too much because I want people to have a relationship with Jesus without looking for that big miracle, you know, but there was a glow 
pouring out of her that I'd never seen before. And it was the love of Christ that even when she came up to ask me as my waitress, what would you like for dinner? I could see it pouring out of her. Right. And then when she introduced me to a pastor who sat down with me and people may get mad hearing about this. I don't have an issue with alcohol, nor have I. And I know people do. He had a beer with me, a fireman. We had a beer. And then he talked to me like a man. Mm-hmm. It took away so much of the noise that I had in my head about Christians who had always been judgmental on me and oh, actually yeah. let me hear the message. You know, and, yeah. and just so we're clear, because I know everyone, oh, we're talking about things like this. I'm not saying to go have a beer with everyone. I'm saying if you're not convicted to do that, don't do it. <laughs> you know, as if, but I'm just saying, look at what it helped do for me. And I love how you just approach people and just keep doing it in a way that, that works. Yeah, you know, it's so sad. I mean, I was on a, uh, we did a WebEx meeting, you know, online with a bunch of first responders and and somebody asked a question, a police officer asked a question. He said, what's, what's the difference between religion and faith? And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, man, this can open up a can of worms here. But, right. <laughs> but I said, let me, let me deal with that can of worms here just for a minute. Um, and I said this, I said, Religion, in my opinion, has probably destroyed more lives than maybe anything else in this world. But wow. faith is simply a relationship with the creator. Right. I don't like religion. Right. Uh, it's, uh, it, it has hindered so many people. Yes. And, and that's where so many, uh, particularly, you know, firefighters, first responders mm-hmm. in general, you know, they get this idea that they're going to be judged by Mm -hmm. Christians and probably have been, you know, Mm -hmm. like your story, you know, you Mm -hmm. went to that church, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, when we, we did a debriefing with the, uh, the, the SWAT team. Now you're talking about, you know, type A personalities. (laughs) These are triple A personalities. Yeah. Those SWAT guys. Yeah. I get you. And, uh, I'll never forget, you know, the, the leader, um, we did the debriefing at, we have a cafe area here at our church, you know, so we did it here. And when he walked in, he wouldn't even look at me. He knew who I was, you know, Mm -hmm. he wouldn't even look at me. I'm, They'll call me chaplain, you know, so right. he's, he's the preacher yeah. guy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't even look at me. But then when we had that debriefing and, um, you know, and the guys, and it was it was a difficult debriefing because, uh, you know, they had a, um, um, a fellow that was shooting at the police. They had to shoot him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he survived. But anyway, mm-hmm. it was a pretty difficult situation. Um but when we went through that and, you know, again, people think if they're walking into a church, it's going to collapse on them and all right. this kind of stuff. And Lightning's going to hit you. I'm going to burst into yeah. flames. You know, people are going to be yelling at me and thumping their Bibles. I get it. <laughs> but, you know, when we spent that time with them, talked to them, encouraged them, you know, and we always pray for them at the end. Um, when we walked out. We just talked and had a great conversation, laughing right. and, and everything, you know, because it, it just tears down those walls. And, right. And I think too many Christians have those walls, you right. know, where, like you said, you know, if you're not preaching at them, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, uh, then uh, you, you can't reach them. But, uh, you know, the, the opposite is true because, you know, people just want to be heard, you know, right. and um, if 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 you can start a conversation, it can go, you know, anywhere. But uh, if they feel like you got to wall up uh, towards them, you know, it's not going anywhere. Right. That is so good. 
Pastor Jerry Schwartz, thank you so much for just pouring that wisdom there at the end. And if you noticed, all throughout this conversation, I've been saying Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> but why am I saying pastor now? Because I want people to realize that was a pastor who just preached that out and said, just love on people, be nice to people, you know, let them be heard, let them be seen, man. And I, I really appreciate that. So if people want to hear more of your sermons or if they're in your local area, how can they get in touch with you and where can they find you? Where can they find me? Okay. Yeah, you got well, Facebook. What do you, I, I know I'm talking to an old fireman here, but it'll come on, old fireman. You got Facebook. What do you got? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I'm on Facebook, Jerry Schwartz. Uh, I'm on Facebook as Chaplain Schwartz. Perfect. Um, so, uh, you know, it's just different venues that we use to reach Great. people. Um, awesome. And, uh, and then our, our church is uh, Living Faith Church. It's faithalive.org for anybody that wants to uh, look us up. But uh, that's that's who we are. Awesome. Well, Pastor, thank you so much for spending some time on this show today. I really appreciate you. It's been my pleasure and I just pray God's blessing continue with you and your family and all the great things he has in store for you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cancel This Podcast. If you could do me this huge favor before you log out, it would be a total blessing. Please rate the show, hit that subscribe button and tell someone about it. Thank you so much, my friend, and have a great day.